Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. So if you get your Bibles open, I want God to speak to you this morning. I'm very excited about what He's put on my heart. Last year, I preached on a message. The title was The Greatest Event in Human History. You've got to understand that this, this Resurrection Sunday that we're celebrating today, for some people, it's just another day. They don't quite understand, like I said, the magnitude of it. But once you meet Jesus personally, you realize that this is the day that changes everything. It, it, the, the resurrection, how many know this morning, let me just ask you a quick question. How many know every one of us in this place are going to die? I know that's not the good news you came to hear, but does everybody know that this morning? We're all going to die. Nobody, is, nobody has ever defeated death except Jesus. And so we're all going to die, and so death is real, and so we have to understand what's going to happen after we die, and that's what makes this day so powerful, is it was the greatest event in human history. No other person in the history of the world has been to the other side and came back to this earth on their own power except Jesus. That's why we're shouting and clapping and praising for him, amen? But watch this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, Paul, who had had a a conversion experience, and I, I didn't say this in the first verse, but I say it in this second service for somebody. When Paul the apostle, who became the apostle, was driving driving I shouldn't say riding on a horse I don't know what he would be driving today but he was riding a horse going to Damascus he was what I consider today if you've heard of Osama bin Laden or a a, a terrorist killer he was that person in the time of Bible times after Jesus' resurrection and he would kill Christians and persecute Christians and he was on his way to do that duty when he had an encounter with Jesus And his name was changed from Saul, that change of of a person that God can do in a person's life. But he makes this statement that's so powerful. And if Christ, he says, has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is useless. No power, no meaning. And it says, and you are still guilty of your sins. You've got to understand this morning, no matter where you come from, what your background is, if this is your millionth time in church or your first time in church, if you understand the Bible or you don't understand the Bible, you have to understand this, we're all sinners. How many sinners do I have in here? Even if you're a guest, you can, be okay, you can, you can admit it. I admit it, we're all sinners. And if you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned by lying. Amen. Because we're all sinners. And so we're all on equal playing ground, and it's because of our sin that causes us to, to have that problem. I, I, I love talking about kids. We, we were blessed to just have our second grandchild, and it sounds so much cooler than just one, right? Having two now, pretty awesome. So they're at home. They're watching right now. Hello to Everett and uh, Dylan and Kristen as well. Amen. But I was playing the other day in their house with our first grandson, Briar. And when you have little kids, you see sin. I know maybe that's not what you see, but we were in Everett's room, and she wasn't in there because she's not big enough to be in there yet. And we were just, he was crawling around on the floor, and, I, and he went over to a table that was not very strong, and he was going to grab the leg. And I said, Briar, uh-uh. And how many know at 10 months old, he knows what uh-uh means? 
And, 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 and he went, and he touched it anyways. And I said, Briar, uh-uh. And so he switched hands and touched it with his other hand. I said, don't get up there. And, and, and as it went, uh, he, never, he didn't stand up because so, I kept saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. But here's the sin nature. That little booger went under the rocking chair around the corner to the back of the table. And he was just about to grab the legs on that side. Do you see the sin nature in a 10-month-old baby? So how many know sin is a problem, amen? Even from the very smallest, we're born, the Bible says, into sin. So we have a sin problem, and the sin problem is going to cause us to miss eternity with God. Man, elementary, understand that. So he is saying how important this resurrection is, because if he doesn't come out of the grave, we're still guilty of our sins. The reason I can stand up here today and be super happy today is because I know my sins are forgiven. But he says if he doesn't resurrect from the dead, then he dies like everybody else who's ever died. And, and, and death isn't defeated. He says in that case, all who died, how many have ever lost a loved one? How many got some loved ones that have gone on to be with, with the Lord or they're in heaven or you don't know where they're at? They, they're gone. Maybe they were believers, maybe they weren't. It says in that case, all who died believing in Christ are lost. So it doesn't matter if you believe in him if he didn't resurrect from the dead okay next verse and if our hope is in christ if our hope in christ is in only this life we are more pitied we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world church if jesus doesn't resurrect from the dead we have no hope because you have to understand i want you to think about this this morning of all the people who ever lived on earth there's been lots how many there's lots of religions Lots of religions, lots of beliefs, lots of churches, lots of denominations, lots of figures who have had followers. I mean, even David Koresh had followers down in Waco, okay? From that kind of follower to someone like a humongous religion like Islam or some kind of different denomination or, or, or a person who says, follow me and, and, and I'll do this and I'll do that. Nobody, can you just say nobody real quick with me? Nobody in the history of the world, has ever said, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life except Jesus. So this is the greatest event in history. Now, if you've heard me preach before, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. And this, this is, you can use this because it's a great witnessing tool. And I haven't given a title yet. I usually give a title in the beginning, but I'm going to wait on my title because I'm building up to something, Okay. And most of the guys that I let preach in here, they're, they would, they're probably thinking, why hasn't he given a title? Because I always say, make, make sure you tell the title so people know what you're preaching about. But I want to I say it for a second. But there's this man who's, how many have ever heard of Harvard Law School? Have you heard of that? Even if you're not smart, like I'm not very smart, I never, never could have gone to Harvard. I don't think I would have got even to the entrance exam, let alone got in. Amen? But you're smart if you go to Harvard. Harvard's the law school. And this man in the 1800s named Simon Greenleaf co-founded Harvard. I said something for many years. I've been saved for 30 years now. Gave my life to Jesus in 1992. And I've been saying something for a lot of years until a few years ago. I changed the way I said it. And I think it was erroneous in what I said. Not doctrinally, but just in the way I was thinking. I used to say on Easter, you don't have to have a lot of faith that Jesus lived on the earth. Because it's a historical fact. You don't have to have a lot of faith to believe that Jesus died on a cross because that's a historical fact. Nobody, does everybody know that nobody argues with those two things? That Jesus was a man and that he died on a cross. But I used to say, and I've changed it now, I used to say, but only thing you have to really have faith for 
is to believe that Jesus came out of the grave. Now, how many know that's still true? You have to, you have, to have faith to believe that because we weren't there. But Simon Greenleaf, who was the co-founder of Harvard, who was a very wise man, he was an atheist. And he heard some of his students talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to prove to you in a court of law, by all the way we do things, that Jesus did not resurrect from the dead. And he was so uh, highly thought of, Simon Greenleaf, that he wrote a, what they call a three-volume legal masterpiece. I want you to know who this is coming from. It's called The Treatise of the Law of Evidence. And they say today... It was the greatest single authority in the entire literature of legal procedure. How many know this guy knows, knows what he's talking about? Co-founder of Harvard wrote this thing. So he's, and it says, today in the U.S. judicial system, people still rely on the rules of evidence established by Greenleaf. As a legal scholar, Greenleaf wondered if Jesus' resurrection would meet the stringy test of evidence. He wondered whether or not the evidence would hold up in a court of law. And focusing his brilliant legal mind on the facts of history, Greenleaf began applying his rules of evidence to the case of Jesus' resurrection. Listen to this. To this legal expert, the case for Jesus' resurrection was so compelling that he made the statement, this will hold up without a doubt in a court of law. And he actually wrote a book called The Testimony of Evangelists. And the documents support his conclusion. He says these words, Jesus Christ, through evidence of a court of law, truly rose from the dead. Amen? Now this is from someone who's very smart and very educated, who took the entire documentation of the resurrection of Christ through a court of law, and he said these words, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most verifiable event in human history. That's powerful. So we're not just sitting here today as a bunch of dummies who believe something, although a lot of people believe in the Easter bunny, right? A lot, we believe a lot of crazy things, don't we? But we're not sitting here like a bunch of dummies this morning. We're people who are believing in a Jesus who is the authority of this world. Can I get an amen? Now, watch this. John chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles, if you don't, you can look on the screen. There was a man named Doubting Thomas. Maybe you're here and you're a doubter. Well, I'm going to speak to you for a moment. You're, you're here, but you don't really believe. I want to speak to you. Because there was a man who walked with Jesus for three years and still doubted. Still wasn't sure if Jesus was who he says he was. And so it says, Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. I don't know where he was or what he was doing, but here's the crazy thing about what Jesus did when he resurrected. Some people don't know this. Jesus didn't just come out of the grave and wave to his disciples as he went up into heaven. Like, hey, I'm back, and and I'm gone. He was on the earth, if you read your Bibles, on this earth for 40 days. And he appeared physically to over 500 people. So this isn't just one person or two people or ten people or even a hundred people that saw Jesus. This is hundreds of people that he appeared to. But for some reason, Thomas was somewhere else. And it says he wasn't with them when Jesus came. Now watch what it says in 25. The other disciples said, we have seen the Lord. 
Has anybody in here seen the Lord? I'm not, out, I'm not talking about in a vision. I'm not talking about in a dream. Nobody in this place this morning has actually physically with their eyes seen Jesus. They saw him. Now, of course, they saw him before he went in the grave, but they saw Jesus resurrected. They ate with him. They fellowshiped with him. They talked with him. And Jesus, they said, we've seen him. And Thomas says this, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails. Amen? There are some beliefs and some religions and some teachings. For example, I've been talking about this lately. The nation of Islam, the belief of, of the Muslims in the Quran, they don't believe Jesus went to the cross. I told you about me witnessing to that man on the plane. He said, we believe that somebody that looked like Jesus went to the cross, but how many know reading this verse right here, he, Thomas saw Jesus get crucified. He did not see him after he was resurrected yet, but he saw him get crucified, and he saw them put the nails in his hands. So that's why he says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side because if you remember he was pierced on the side with a with a spear he says this what some people say today i won't believe some people hopefully you're not you're not the one and i'm not the one have to have all kinds of things happen and we say lord i won't believe unless and i won't do this unless and i won't believe in, and thomas was that way he said unless i physically touch his body i won't believe Tell the person next to you, God is a good God. Can you tell him one more thing? He loves you a lot. Did you tell him? Because when I look at the stories in the Bible, I like to think of them for us today. Watch what Jesus does. Let's keep reading here. And after eight days, now that this is a good teaching moment here. God always likes to make us wait a little bit. Right, Brian? Right? I'm going to wait for miss a flight. How many know God does miracles, but he likes, to, he likes to cause us to test our faith a little bit? So he didn't come right away. He said, I'm going to wait eight days before I prove myself to Thomas. Thomas is going through this. Everybody else has seen him, but I haven't seen him. I want to see him. You know he really wants to see him now because they told him. They saw him. Eight days later, but here's how great God is. His disciples were in, again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came. And the doors being shut, now a lot of people don't catch this because they read the Bible too fast. Jesus walked through the wall. Y'all seeing this? Amen? He didn't open the door because he's a supernatural God. If you need God to open a door today, let me just tell you something. He doesn't need a door. God can come in any way. He can work in any way. He can do anything. There's nothing impossible for him. He doesn't need a door. He can go through the wall. And some of us sometimes believe more about Marvel and Captain America than we do the Bible. Amen? They, they got them superpowers, but how many know Jesus has greater superpowers? So he, he goes through, not the door. He just shows up, and he's all of a sudden in the midst of them. That's the cool thing about being here this morning. The Bible says he's here right now. Not in a ghost way. His spirit is here. Do you feel his spirit? He's here right now. When we're singing about the victor's crown and clapping, we're not clapping to the wall. We're clapping to him because he's here. But he walks in and he goes, peace to you. How many would have loved to have been there? Peace to you. But that same peace is here today. And this is what's so cool. And another part of the Bible, don't switch the verse yet, and you haven't, you're doing great. In another part of the Bible, when, when Peter had denied Jesus three times, 
he went and he told the disciples. He goes, hey, go tell the disciples. And he says, and Peter. Because if you're in here and you've messed up or made some mistakes or failed or not been the believer that you want to be or the person you want to be, God still loves you. He still has a plan for you. Amen? So shows up, and he shows up for Thomas. Watch what this next verse says. And he says, then he said to Thomas, he didn't call him doubting Thomas. He said, Thomas, reach your finger right here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. And look what he says. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. That's what I want to speak to you this morning. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. Amen? Now, here's some of the most awesome, powerful, wonderful words in the Bible. Watch this next verse. And Thomas answered and said, this is very important. This is going to be part of my my title here in a second. He has a revelation. See, this morning, our hope, my hope, My prayer this morning for every single one of you is that you will have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And it will go from a head knowledge of understanding that there was a man named Jesus who lived on the earth and they say rose again to a heart relationship who becomes the Lord and Savior of your life and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins. That's our hope on this Easter is that every single one of you is going to leave with a revelation of who Jesus is. He has a revelation. He goes from the man that says, I won't believe unless I touch him, to this, my Lord and my God. See the word Lord? I'm not going to give you the title yet, but it's going to be a part of it. See the word Lord? Lord. He says, my Lord and my God. Now, here's the next verse that I love so much that makes me feel so happy today. I'm smiling even more than I'm smiling on the outside. Every day I wake up, it makes me happy to know this. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe me. Because you touched my hands and touched my side, you believe me. Listen to me. This is going to get somebody excited. But there's some people over in Denton, Texas, that to, in 2022, on Easter Sunday, that are going to be sitting in a service, and they're going to believe, even though they haven't seen me or touched me or had my, held my hand, and it says they're blessed because they believe. That was a good golf clap. Amen. Praise God for Tiger Woods. That was, that was a good golf clap. That's okay. I know you're more excited than you look on the outside too. Did you catch that? Blessed are they who will believe in me but haven't seen me. Amen. I'm one of them. So Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, I'm just going to pick a few things that Jesus is because I could do this for two hours. Jesus is, because he has a lot of names, is salvation. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the risen king. That's what we're celebrating today. He is the healer. He's the door. He doesn't need a door, but we need a door. He's the soon coming king. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end he is the does anybody know the peace that jesus brings has anybody let me go back for a second has anybody in here been healed let me see your hand if you've been healed in this place look around look at all those hands he's the healer has anybody been set free here this morning he's he's he, he, let me do some texas english he's the set freer amen texas is awesome you can get away with anything amen He's the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting, but here's the, he's hope. Does any, has anybody found hope in Jesus? 
hope when there seems to be no hope. But here's where I want to go with this. And Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord. Here's the title. But this raises a very important question. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not a question. But the title this morning and the question for you on Easter Sunday is Jesus Lord over your life. Amen? Just for a few minutes here, we've celebrated, we've shouted, we've been excited. I'm just going to come at you for a second and just hit you between the eyes just for a second. How many will let me just hit you between the eyes just for a second with the word? Amen? Two or three, that's all I need. I just need one. Amen. There's another one back there. All right. Well, I'm going I'm to do it anyways, but this is, this is going to be good, okay? I want you to think about this because lots of people believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the healer and and all those things but I think a lot of people miss him being Lord and and I think I know why because when you start to think about the definition of what Lord is I try to get my wife to call me Lord all the time because because it was in the Old Testament was it Abraham right Sarah called him Lord so sometimes like can you just say Lord just just for the Old Testament sake and every once in a while she'll do it to humor me but I'm joking goodness grief see see how that hits a string Here's what the definition of Lord is. Someone with authority. We don't like authority. Someone with control. No one likes to be controlled. Or power over others. To say that someone is Lord is to consider that person master and ruler. So for just the next few minutes, I want to ask you to answer for yourself because I can't answer for you and you can't answer for me and I can't answer for my wife and she can't answer for me, but is Jesus master and ruler and Lord of your life? In other words, does he have the final say in everything that you do? Okay, think about that. I'm, I, I, see how it got quiet? See how it like cha- everything changed a little bit? I shouldn't have, I was trying to warn you that I was going to come a little bit. That's okay. Now you're ready for it, okay? In, for example, when the leper calls Jesus in Matthew 8, we're not going to look at this, but he calls Jesus, he recognizes authority in Jesus. And he says, Lord, can you heal me? He's saying it out of respect, okay? One of the things that I, that I have learned even in the last few years, how many know you never stop learning if you're smart? And I have learned in the last few years to be more reverent and more respectful and more fearful of God because he's a big God and I respect him and I revere him and I and I understand his authority in my life so he was this leper was recognizing this man has something that I need and he said Lord will you heal me but after the resurrection happened the word Lord changed from somebody that had authority to the authority the absolute final call, okay? In other words, Jesus now is not just another man as religions call him. Many religions call him a good man or a prophet, and they would call him teacher. Has anybody read your Bibles? This the, these are the words they would call him. But when he came out of that grave, he was no longer a teacher or a prophet. He was Lord. He was master. Because he had done something nobody had ever done, which was defeat death. 
So Jesus is Lord. Would you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. Can everybody say that one more time? Jesus is Lord. Just so you know, if you're wondering if you're demon-possessed, if you can say Jesus is Lord, you're not demon-possessed. So if we don't have anybody in here, if you couldn't say it, we'll pray for you after and the demons can leave. Amen? But when you say Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you can't say that unless the Holy Spirit helps you say it. Okay? So now, let's see what the Bible says about Jesus being Lord. Philippians chapter 2, look at this. God also, therefore, has highly, highly exalted him and given him, now I want you to, I want you to leave this up there for a second, because this is very important, and given him, Jesus, the name, it doesn't say he's given him a good name. It doesn't say he's given him one of the greatest names. It says he's given him the name above every name. And listen here, when I think about what that means, that means that the name of Jesus is greater than the name of the devil who's fighting you. That name is greater than the demons who are coming against you. That name is greater than the sickness of cancer and tumors and arthritis. That name is bigger than the marital problem you have this morning. That name is bigger than your financial situation. That name is bigger than any other name. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Any other name. So whatever you're facing, demon oppression, addiction, sickness, disease, you say the name of Jesus is over that name. And you can leave this morning healed. You can leave this morning delivered. We don't believe in just showing up and saying, oh, we went to church. We want people to leave different. We want people to leave healed. That's what the church is supposed to do. So how many would go with me and say, I believe he's Lord? Now, this is where it gets really heavy. The Bible tells us, let's keep reading here. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not some knees, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's actually where salvation takes place. When we do a salvation prayer, we say, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But church, this morning on Easter Sunday, God doesn't want you to say that in a way of just saying it. He wants you to believe it. And he wants you to show it by giving him the place that he deserves. Now listen to this. Listen to this poem. How many give me just a few more minutes? A couple more minutes. Just two more minutes. Let me see. How many people give me a couple more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two. Okay. Okay, we got enough. I won't take that long, I promise. Listen to this though. Because these are these are God's words. This is teaching of God. This is this is a day where we're all here and listen, this might not ever ever happen again. All of us that are sitting here right now, we may never be together again. All of us. 
because tomorrow's not promised. So this is an important moment. Listen to this poem. This, and, and, and listen to it as Jesus saying it to us. It says, you call me master, but you don't obey me. You call me the light, but you don't see me. You call me the way, but you don't follow me. You call me life, but you don't desire me. You call me wise, but you don't listen to me. You call me rich, but you don't ask of me. You call me eternal, but you don't seek me. You call me gracious, but you don't thank me. You call me good, but you don't serve me. You call me mighty, but you don't honor me. You call me just, but you don't fear me. And listen to these words. If I condemn you, don't blame me. Mm, that's powerful. Church, this, this, this kind of message right here may not seem like a normal Sunday morning message on Easter. But I know the Holy Spirit put this in my heart today. I've never preached a message on is Jesus Lord on Easter Sunday. But I know I'm preaching it to somebody this morning. Because church, there are way too many people in this world who are confessing to believe in Jesus, but they have not made him Lord. They have not submitted 100% to his lordship and said, God, you're the final authority in my life. Amen? Now, how many would like to know this morning how to make Jesus your Lord? I would like to. I'll speak for myself. But let me read to you first some of the scariest, hardest words in all of the Bible in Matthew chapter 7. And don't put it up yet for one second because, again, I might have some people who, hear, who have never heard a message. You might be watching online. You've never heard a message of the gospel. There is a false theory about Jesus that makes him out to be some soft, wimpy, all-loving, not powerful, not straightforward Jesus that would bend against his own word. And that is not the Bible Jesus the Bible talks about Jesus said if you want to follow me you have to deny yourself you have to pick up your cross and carry it now listen I'm not talking that about the grace that Jesus has I'm not talking about getting saved because to get saved you don't have to do anything except believe but here's the problem now is when people get saved and I, and I believe I would be guilty of this myself as a pastor too many times, that we make salvation and the walk with Jesus too simple. I'm not saying I want to make it hard. I'm saying we don't explain how hard the road is enough. Because how many know that Jesus was not a talker, he was a doer? He, he, if, you, if you begin to think, I want you to just think about something for a second. I'm going to read these verses in just a second. If you begin to think about Jesus... And the things that he went through. And if you haven't watched The Passion of the Christ, I, I, I challenge you to watch it today or this week. I've said this a million times. I've only watched The Passion of the Christ one time. I cannot watch it again, personally. I can't. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, but I thank God for the one time. And they say that in that movie, it doesn't even give justice to what Jesus really went through. There's no way for, to even film what Jesus went through. 
And all along the way, I want you to understand this. This is what makes God so amazing and Jesus so powerful. Is all along the way of his three years of ministry leading up to being crucified for us. He was living in a fleshly body just like me and you. With fleshly emotions. Remember when he got angry and threw the tables around in the temple? He didn't sin, but he got angry. He felt fear. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if we can change this in any way, showing his humanity, let's change it. Because I, I see the cross ahead of me, and I see the pain, and I see the suffering. And then he came back to himself and says, Not my, no, God, so I'm sorry for saying that. You see the battle of his humanity. That's what makes this gospel story so amazing. All the times as he's walking through his ministry leading up to the time when he's going to get taken, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and none of his disciples want to pray with him. He's about to go through the most horrible event in the history of the world. Because listen, I said this is the greatest event in the history of the world, the resurrection. The most horrible event in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Stay with me. Lots of people got crucified, Pastor. Yes, they did. He actually had, a, cro- he had a, cro- a crook on each side. But they went through physical pain. They did not go through the pain of your sins and mine. They did not bear the burden of the pain. How many know we got, we're in a world right now with some serious pain and some serious sickness and some serious sick minds? and some serious debased minds. All those murders and all those rapes and all those killings and all those things we've seen. He took all of that on his body. And you don't think that he in his flesh many times wanted to say, God, I can't do this. And when they came and got him to go and flog him and they began to hit him, and beat him, and they put a mask, a, a face, a cloth over his face, and hit him, and mocked him, and said, "If you're God, tell us who's hitting you." And pulled his beard out of his face, and put a crown of thorns on his head, and then he allowed them, church, because I want you to understand something very important on this Easter Sunday. They didn't kill Jesus. Jesus gave his life. Pilate thought he had power. He didn't understand the name above every name. And he says, don't you understand? Why don't you speak? Are you who they say you are? And he's silent. Don't you, why don't you speak? Don't you know I have the power to, to give you power to live or to die? And Jesus dropped the mic and said, you don't have any power unless, except for the power that my Father has given you. At any moment, he could have stepped out of being Jesus and turned into Jesus but he didn't. So he didn't talk about it. He did it. Are y'all following me? At any moment, he could have stopped talking or started talking and not did it. At any moment, but he went all the way to the end. He even at some point, and you should study the crucifixion and study how hard it was for Jesus to even lift himself up to take a breath. All the power it took to push himself up to get above his lungs and take a breath, and he still had the power to look down and say, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. That's love. And then the power to say, it is finished. Jesus did all those things. Let me ask you a question. 
is it too much for Jesus to ask us to do something? I don't think so. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone, these are some of the scariest words in the Bible, and they ought to cause us to tremble. I, as a pastor who has dedicated my life to the Lord, tremble when I read these words. I can't laugh about it. I can't joke about it. It's serious when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not enough to say it. You got to be about it. And he says, but he who, how, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? He who does the will of the Father. Next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. See the word? Say, say it again. Say Lord. Everybody just say it again. Lord. It's not hard to say it. It's hard to do it. I can say, Jesus, you're my Lord. But God doesn't want me to say it. He wants me to live it. He wants me to do it. He wants me to submit to him and make him Lord of my life in the best way I can as a human being. How many know we fall short? But in the best way I can as a human being. He says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord. You'll say, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out demons? Haven't we done many wonders in your name? And watch this. Watch what this verse says. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now watch this. How do we make Jesus Lord of our life? I'm going to use an acronym. I don't use it a lot, but the word Lord, if you're taking notes, I'm going to just say this quickly. I don't have time to go through the verses. Lord. Love. L. O of, or, of Lord. Obey. R. Rely. D. Duty. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Obey. Jesus said one of the shortest verses in the Bible is John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. How many parents do I have in here? Do you love your kids? Do you just want them to obey you? That's all God wants. Just obey me. Are you thankful for the clothes? Are you thankful for the house? Are you thankful for the food? Are you thankful for the provision? Are you thankful for the protection? Just do what I say. Just obey me. That's all Jesus says. I went to the cross. I died for you. I rose from the dead. All I'm asking from you is just to do what I say to do. Just obey me. And I'll go prepare a place for you. And when I come again, you'll be with me. Rely. Depend on Jesus for everything. Proverbs 3, 5 says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. The Psalms, I think it's uh, 83. Let me see if I got the right Psalms. Uh, 37, sorry, 37, 5. Commit your ways to me. Trust in him and he'll bring it to pass. How do you make Jesus Lord? By making him Lord. By making him not just a partner, but your leader. And you say, Lord, you want me to do this? Yes, sir. I submit to you. I submit to your lordship. And D, duties. Do, go, preach, witness, pray, love people like I loved you. 
and you'll make heaven your home. Church, I close with this. It's not enough to have a head knowledge like many of us do that Jesus came and died on the cross and he even rose from the dead. It's what are we going to do with it tomorrow on Monday? Is Jesus Lord of your life Wednesday morning? Is Jesus Lord of your life Saturday night? Is Jesus Lord of your life when everything is bad? Just like he's Lord of your life when everything's good. Is he Lord? That's what he's asking you today. I can't answer that question from you, for you, but you can answer it for yourself. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants people to ask. Is, am I Lord of your life? As you bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to picture something before I say a last prayer. Please don't think of anything else. Please don't think of Easter lunch. Please don't think of work tomorrow. Please just look at that darkness that you're looking at right now as you look at the back of your eyes and picture something with me. Stay with me because this is possibly the most important thing I'm going to say in the whole message. As you're looking at that darkness at the back of your eyes, I want you to think about something. The Bible told us, as we read today, that one day, every single one of us are going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. And I want to say this, whether you believe it or not. We're all going to stand before God, and He's going to ask us to give an account for our lives. And I want you to think about this. I don't know if it's going to be seconds or minutes or hours. I don't know how long each person, and I'm talking about the great white throne judgment, they're going to stand before God. I don't know how long it's going to be, but they're going to finally be in the presence of God. And the Bible says every knee will bow. I believe it won't be slow to the knees. It'll be fall to the knees in reverence to the holy, living God. And that light will be so shining bright that they won't even be able to see into it. And then they're going to say, and it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I believe it's going to be for many people who have not believed in Jesus as nothing more than a prophet or a good teacher or just some good man. It will be Jesus is Lord. And they will have the revelation. Listen to me good. They will have the revelation that you need to have right now. That Jesus is Lord. Right before we open this altar and we ask people, do you want Jesus to come into your life and be Lord of your life and you want to get saved today? You want to make the best decision in your life? Let me tell you what I think is going to be the worst part about hell. The Bible describes it very clearly. I got saved 30 years ago because I was scared to death of hell and God said, if you don't change your life, that place is where you're going. So I was smart enough to say, I don't want to go there. So I fear the, the God who made hell you can say, I don't believe in hell. Well, you will. Sadly, billions of people are going to wake up to a hell of a surprise one day when they're standing in hell, the one they didn't believe in. When they're standing before the God that they didn't believe in. And he says, I never knew you because you rejected my son. The door, the way, the truth, and the life. Listen closely. Here's what the worst part of hell is going to be. It's not going to be the flames that don't go out or the worms that don't die or the utter darkness. Here's what I think is going to be the worst part of hell. It's going to be people realizing 
that they had been in the presence of God for that short amount of time and that they could have spent eternity with him if they would have just believed. Separation from God is going to be the worst part of hell. And everybody will meet him. Church, today we have the opportunity to not only meet him, but Revelations chapter 3 says he knocks on the door. And if we open it, he says, come in. I'll come in and I'll dine with you. I'll sit down and eat with you. I have a greater relationship with Jesus today than my wife or my friends or my kids or anybody else because I have a relationship with him. As you're listening right now and your heads are bowed, the Holy Spirit of God is touching you right now. And he's knocking. Not me. He's knocking. He's saying, let me in. And I'll change your life with my resurrection power. How many all over this place? The Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. And he's saying, I want to change your life, but you need to make me Lord. Not just believe in me, make me Lord. How many could say, Pastor, by lifting your hand, say, pray for me right now. I want to be saved. Just lift it up. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Praise God. I see those hands. God sees your hands, young people. The presence of God is here. And it's not me that's drawing you. It's Jesus Christ himself. And he's saying, I have a plan for you, and I want, to, I want you to live for me. I died on the cross for you. I have peace. I have joy. I have purpose for you. Stop running and surrender. In reverence to the Lord as we stand, would you just stand all across this place this morning? Don't try not to move around or talk, but just stand for just a moment. I don't know about you, but I can feel the presence of God here this morning. That same presence that they felt when he walked in the room and said, peace. Jesus is here right now. All around you, there are people in this place who, whether it was last week or last year or 10 years ago, their lives were transformed by giving their life to Jesus Christ. All across this place, not a, not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. If Jesus has transformed your life, I want you to lift your hand up. Just lift. If he has transformed, Look at all these people. Transformed your life. So you're not doing anything weird here today. You're doing something very smart. And right now, if you meant what you said, and I'm taking my time here, and I know it's Easter, I know food's waiting, and I know you got plans. This is very important. Because like I said before, we may not all be, a, be together again. I, this may be the last message I ever preach. I want people to know my Jesus. The one who died for me. The one who shed his blood. Even though I didn't deserve it. While I was still a sinner. He looked down on me and saw all my sins and said, I'm still going to die for you because I love you. Who does that, church? Nobody. Nobody does that except God. If you raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, and I'm going to tell you why. The Bible says if you confess before men that he is Lord, he'll confess you before his Father. But if you deny him, in other words, if you're embarrassed of him in front of men, he'll, he'll be embarrassed of you. That's, it's straight from the Bible. 
30 years ago when I got saved, I ran to, the, and this isn't to brag or that you have to do this. I knew I was so lost and I knew I didn't have any time. I ran to the altar before he was even done preaching because I said, I need Jesus. I need to change my life. That place he's talking about, I don't want to go. And I got saved and it's never been the same. If you meant that, if you raised your hand when I said that, it's not me drawing you, the Holy Spirit's drawing you. If you, re- if you meant it, would you just step out of that chair to the nearest aisle and just come down here real quick? Many hands went. Just come. Many hands went up. Just come. Many, many hands. Come on. Come on. More hands went up. I'm going to wait for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. There was more. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed this morning. He hung on that cross naked, being made fun of, mocking him, saying, those thieves said, if you're, if you're really God, why don't you save yourself and save me too? Church, do you realize if he would have got in the flesh, we wouldn't have salvation? He could have said, you know, you're right. Let me show you my power. But he didn't. He stayed on the cross. I, I, can't, I can't speak for you, but I would have came off the cross. And none of us would have salvation. But he didn't. The Bible says he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't say a word. Except, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. It's real. It's real. It's a real God, a real resurrection. A real Savior who forgives real sins. Today my prayer is that you don't just say a prayer, but that you make Jesus Lord of your life. And you say, today I submit everything. I didn't walk away from that, that altar and say, okay, I got my, my, my health, health, hell insurance. Now I'm not going to go to hell. He said, I want you to leave your dreams and I want you to preach the gospel. And I did. And that's what he's going to ask you to leave some stuff. He's going to ask you to drop some stuff. He's going to ask you to change some stuff. But it's not because he's trying to rule over you in the way of, 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 of what you'd think. It's because he knows what's best for you. And he wants to use you to touch other people's lives. There's nothing like seeing someone give their life to Jesus. Now I'm going to give just five more seconds because I want to say this again. He says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father. But if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. That part said, I never knew you. That means you didn't confess Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'll shout it from the rooftops. I would give I would give everything I have. I would sell my house and everything I have to have five minutes at a Dallas Cowboys game with a microphone and, and be able to preach the gospel to hundreds of thousands of people because that's how real he is. I'm going to f- count to five. Maybe you're here today and you knew the Lord at some point and you're backslidden. Today you're not walking with God and you know you need to change. You may be on, on the, our team. We, we've always been real and honest here. If you're serving, but you're not living for the Lord, 
get right because I'm not going to be there when you stand before God and your spouse is not going to be there. You're going to be by yourself. Amen? The tears that are flowing from a young man's heart down here shows this is real. So we're going to say this prayer. There are people watching online right now. Say this from your heart. Lord Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. I am sorry for all of my sins. I fall short of your glory. I know I'm not good enough. I know I fail and I make mistakes. But today I'm sorry and I repent. And Jesus, I believe you are changing my life right now. I believe you came out of the grave and you defeated death, hell, and the grave. I accept you, not just as a Savior, but as Lord. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to obey you for every day of my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you just stay here in this attitude of worship and just sing this with me this morning, this song that He is Lord, as, as we sing this, if you're back there and you want to talk to God, the Holy Spirit's here, the altar's open. Don't leave yet, please. We're going to take communion in just a minute. But God is touching hearts this morning. For He is Lord. Would you make Him Lord of your life today? He's Lord. He is risen. He is risen from. Maybe you just need to come and rededicate your vows to the Lord. Say, Lord, you're Lord, you're Master, you're King, you're everything to me today. Every knee shall bow, knee shall bow, every tongue. Oh, that Jesus, that Jesus Christ is. I want you to make it personal, and I want you to say, you're my Lord, for you're my Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. You have risen. You have risen from the dead. And my knees shall bow. My knees shall bow. And my knees shall, and my tongue, 
my tongue confess that Jesus is. <clears throat> Let me just show you a picture real quick, and we're going to sing this one more time. You're down at this altar, and Tears are flowing from your heart and you're saying, God, I, I realize what you did on the cross for me and I haven't been taking it serious enough and I haven't, I, I maybe been, I don't call it playing games, but I haven't been making you Lord of my life and I want you to understand, church is a picture of heaven. When we praise and worship here, we're practicing for heaven. When we exalt and lift up his name, it's what we're going to spend eternity doing. And here's the thing, if we exalt him here and we confess him here at an altar like we're doing right now and we repent of our sins here and we say Jesus is Lord here, we won't have to do it there. Do you understand that? Because what did that verse say? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So he's saying eventually everyone's going to do it. But when you do it here, you don't have to do it there. And you, matter of fact, you're going to be at a different judgment. You're going to be at one called the judgment seat of Christ, which is going to be for reward. It's going to be like an awards banquet if you've ever played sports. And you're going to get prizes and rewards for sharing your faith and giving to the gospel and loving people and, and being unselfish. And, 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 and all those, that's, there's a reward for those things. Those, those are called works, but they're not for salvation. They're for reward. So whatever we do here, we're telling the Lord, I don't want to wait till I stand before you. I want to repent now. Amen. I want, to, I want to do it now. And the quicker you repent and the quicker you get your heart right with God, the quicker you can get to the place where God can use you, you can start touching lives. And there's nothing like it. Nothing like it in the world, touching lives. Amen. We're about to see, church, in this place, a revival. This is a picture right now, a revival. The walls aren't going to hold it. The overflow's not going to hold it. People like this young man and all across this altar are going to come, and, and tears are going to flow, and it's going to be tears of repentance. And change is going to happen, not just, not just messing around, playing around, because there's always people that play around. God will get you. And I just tell you that. God will get you playing around. Don't play around with God. Get serious with God. Amen? Because he's real. But don't think the negative side. Think the positive side. God wants to use you. The same God who created the universe wants to use you. Somebody, some of you in here say, ain't nobody ever wanted to use me for anything. No one's ever, you, you might be that person that gets picked last. And there's only two left. And then there's only one left. And they're like, okay, I'll take him or I'll take her. You might be that person. And God says, I'll take you first. He takes nobodies and turns them into somebodies. Amen. I want to say a prayer right now. And then we're going to take communion. Okay? Is that okay? It's only 1235. I promise you, wherever you're going to go eat, it's still going to be open. Whatever plans you have, if you're getting late to family members, you just say, I just had an encounter with God. Say, let me tell you what happened. Amen? I want to take communion in just a second, but I want to pray for you. Maybe you're sick. If you have something in your body, just put your hand there. 
Let me read Isaiah 53, and we'll take communion with this. But he says, by his stripes we're healed. He says, the chastisement of the punishment of our peace was put upon him. And right now, if you've got a physical, and we've got people in here who've been killed from cancer, tumors, all kinds of diseases. It might be a migraine, it might be back pain, whatever it is, we're going to pray. And right now, Jesus is going to heal you because he died on the cross for that. Maybe you're here and you have nightmares or you're tormented in your mind and you need a breakthrough in your mind. Maybe you're here and you've got an addiction to something. Maybe it's cigarettes, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's whatever it is. You've got an addiction, you need that chain to break right now. We're going to say a prayer and God's going to do something right now because that's the Jesus that we serve. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said that your name is above every name. That means your name is above cancer. Your name is above arthritis. Your name is above tumors. Your name is above ulcers. Lord, your name is above marital problems. Your name is above tormenting spirits of the mind. Your name is above depression. Your name is above oppression. Your name is above every disease and every spirit and every pit of darkness in this world, every principality, every power of darkness. It must be destroyed. It must leave right now. Pain be gone from these bodies. Cancer be gone. Tumors be gone. Nightmares be gone. Fear be gone. Doubt be gone. In Jesus' name, if we didn't name you spirit of darkness, you must flee right now in Jesus name for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ Lord I thank you right now would you just begin to thank him for healing you would you begin to thank him for his blood right now thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thanks again for listening if you want to hear more messages please subscribe to our podcast channel and if you like it consider rating it and sharing it with your friends For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.